I'm Tom Evans and a big zone show welcome to Ian Broom, author and the host of the Right for Your Life podcast. Hi Ian. Hi Tom, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Great to uh, actually reciprocate because I was on that said podcast, uh, must be a year or two back now. Indeed. Yeah, so I've just read Ava Angelica and I was really, really drawn into the world you created. It seemed so real and actually so somewhat dark and comedic and even farcical. But I'm kind of puzzled though that the themes you explore seem to require real-world knowledge. I would only expect from someone twice your age. <laughs> Where does that depth of experience come from? Well, that's true. And one of the questions that I've been asked most, actually, when I've been promoting the book is, um, why did you decide to... So I'm 32. I started writing the book when I was, gosh, 23, 24. Um, wow. And... Well, see, that's, that makes it even more remarkable. <laughs> I know. And so everyone says, why did you choose to write the book as a 50-year-old uh, or a 52-year-old or whatever Gordon Kingdom is, the, the uh, narrator? And um, there's a couple of answers. First of all, it just it just made sense. And when I, when I started writing, he wasn't necessarily that old. I don't think I really knew how old he was. So the book, I didn't have the entire book completely and utterly planned out and, and scripted almost um, before I began writing. So there's an element of him becoming that age organically, I guess. That makes sense. But also, but also, and this is kind of something that I, su I suspect writers don't um, talk about often, but um, there are certain pragmatics. And once you've written, say, 50, 60,000 words of prose, there are lots of, um, there are lots of uh, things that need to add up, like dates and ages of, the, ages of characters and when certain events happened, when things happened in the backstory and all that kind of thing. And having done all that maths and uh, and and kind of um, um, made sure that it all uh, worked together and all the dates matched, all that kind of thing, um, it turned out he was around that age. And and also, I, I guess my my parents would my parents are older than that, but um, uh, they're they're kind of early sixties now. But um, sorry, mid sixties now. I've been a bit too kind on them there. <laughs> um, and 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 I guess you know it's it, novels a lot about where I come from and um, and um, and that kind of thing. So it was kind of watching others rather than it being my own personal experience. Gotcha. And how much of it then is real uh, an experience, and how much of it is imagined? Um, most of it, or I would say eighty ninety percent of it, is imagined. There are a couple of scenes in the novel which are kind of retellings of things that have happened to me but those scenes aren't particularly major parts of the book so there is a scene sort of early on of um, 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 Gordon is waiting in the the, um, uh, in the waiting room of uh, the doctor's surgery and the doctor leaves the intercom system on so they use, they use an intercom that plays out when they want a patient to come in next they say you know Trevor, Trevor Jones next please um, and Trevor Jones will go into the doctor's surgery and the doctor will turn off the intercom. That's fine. Um, and when I was growing up, it, this happened and the doctor forgot to turn the intercom off. So we heard the first 30 or 40 seconds of this um, <laughs> this uh, this kind of discussion, which is obviously meant to be personal. So there's kind of uh, that scene was something that happened to me and I adapt, adapted it and kind of tried to add an element of humor into it. But the crux of the novel, which is about, you know, Gordon Kingdon, the narrator, he's looking after his wife who's had a series of strokes and he doesn't know how to cope with it. And the novel is about the way he kind of unravels mentally as she unravels physically. And um, that's entirely fiction. That's not, that's not happened to me um, uh, personally. I've not had anyone in my family who's had a stroke. 
Um, so it was almost in, entirely imagined. Oh well, well, good news that that hasn't happened in yes, Japan. yeah, long way it continued like that. So when, obviously, this this book must have taken the best part of seven or eight years to to write. When you're in that writing process, when you're actually doing the the job of writing, how do you get into that creative zone? Well, this has changed over time. So, um, and I think I've been through a number of zones, and I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm about to enter a new zone. I don't know whether there's a name for it. But initially, I, I began writing the novel when I was part of Sheffield Hallam's MA writing course. So I was in an environment with lots of other writers, all of whom were at a similar sort of level and had real ambitions to be published authors. And when you're in that kind of community, that kind of writing environment, it's, quite, it's much easier to get into the zone because you know that you have, um, you have people asking for work, for example. You, have, you know that people are going to be reading what you write and you know that, for, for example, you need to have something done by next week or next Tuesday because you have a seminar and you need to show your work. So getting into the zone isn't that hard because there is a kind of, there's a deadline basically and there is a community of people expecting it. Once that process was through, I'd, I did the first, you, 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 on the MA you do around, um, I think it's 10,000 words and then you're kind of left to your own devices for up to five years to get it finished and get to a master's level. And, um, and so that was all done on my own and it was much more difficult to get into the zone. But what happened was um, I found myself naturally, um, and it felt like a very physical thing, and I know that you're the expert, so you can perhaps tell me whether I'm making this up or not, but it always felt like a very physical thing where I would perhaps struggle to struggle for the words like most writers, and then almost silently, almost without me really realising it, half an hour would have passed, and I would have found that at some point something had clicked, and I was entirely focused on the writing, and absolutely nothing else, no distractions, nothing could have interrupted me and I was entirely focused. I was probably dribbling or something on my keyboard. <laughs> I was just so into it. The dribbling zone, that sounds like a new one that I might need to, <laughs> to write about. Indeed. Uh, and so when, did, you, did you have moments where you got blocked and how do you deal with getting through the creative blocks? Um, I, I did have moments when I got blocked and that was where I had to stop this kind of carefree attitude. I will just write and see how the story goes. There came a point when it's something as long as a novel, there comes a point where you really do have to get some structure and you have to get some direction. So I, I tried kind of this, like I say, more of a kind of sit down and write and the story will come. And I got to a point when that it wasn't really happening anymore because I was really fretting about what it was that I needed to do. I realized that this needed structure and and so I had to, I guess, perhaps find a different zone. I had to try and think less about the writing and more about the concept and the idea and the characters and how they would work together rather than the actual words on the page. Yeah, it's interesting because I love that you've got some great evocative chapter titles like First Strike and Oracle and Quarantine and Umbridge, a word I really like <laughs> uh, for some <laughs> strange reason. Uh, but but also I noticed, I couldn't help but notice that the, the chapters were in alphabetical order. So where in the process of crafting the novel did this architecture appear? Well, the architecture actually changed and, and changed significantly. So the, the reason the chapters are um, alphabeticized, alphabetical, um, is because... Um, Gordon keeps notes, so he keeps notes and he keeps a series of files. This is how he, he copes with the situation. He writes everything down. So it was to mirror that, uh, that kind of uh, the, the structure of the novel kind of mirrored the structure of Gordon's kind of note-taking. So that was the uh, A to Z um, idea. Did that come first then? Or it did. did. Yeah. 
Yeah, it did. So initially, I I'd got uh, the first draft. In fact, the draft that that I submitted and got an agent with um, was twenty six chapters, A to Z, and a lot of the titles and I think probably all of the ones you just listed didn't exist. But when my agent took me on, she said, "Would you are you open to doing a bit of work on the novel?" And I said, "Of course," because I was delighted <laughs> um, to to even be in that position. And um, and the novel went from twenty six chapters to forty two. And that was quite a significant change of plan. And I actually, I actually suggested getting rid of the chapter titles completely. And it was because I felt like at that point, I felt like I would basically in, imposed this structure, this um, uh, this kind of way of doing things, this order that things had to be on myself in order to be creative. I felt like it was helping. And then it got to a point where actually. I'd I'd made the novel too short. I'd made some chapters a bit clunky, simply because I was trying to fit into this certain structure, and it, and it wasn't working. So I had to I had to change it. Well, it, it worked for me because I found that I I read a, a B and I had to read a C and a D, and it had that sort of uh, you know that Dan Brown effect where it's like a guilty pleasure, and you kept oh, I just wonder what happens next. Well, that's good because it's. I mean, I mean, that's fantastic to hear because with with a literary novel, especially one where the subject matter is dark in places. I mean, I hope that there is some humour in there, but you know, the subject matter is dark. So, and a few people have said this that it's it was. Um, I'm not. I don't think I could perhaps call it a page turner in the Dan Brown sense, but certainly that people were wanting to know what was next, and that's quite difficult to do when you're not, you know, writing a thriller or a, you know, there are no guns, for example. <laughs> and 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 talking of what's next, what's next for you? You're going to write a book with B for something else. <laughs> no, but but it is interesting how many people have asked if there are going to be a sequel. I mean, the 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 ending is, I guess, a little um, uh, uh, vague and kind of open to interpretation. But still, people crave sequels these days, don't they? People want to hear more from the same characters, and a lot of people have asked that. But sadly, um, that's it for the world of Ace Angelica. But I am working on a, a new novel um, at the moment. Um, I do have some non-fiction as well, kind of twenty odd thousand words that are just sat there. I'm deciding whether I should do anything with them or not. But, um, yeah, so I'm working on a new novel at the moment. Oh, well, well, I hope it goes well for you because yeah, that was a great debut novel. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, for me, it um, seemed to be from the pen of somebody that's written uh, more than that and had much more life experience than you had, or well, certainly at 23 for certain. <laughs> so where can people find out about you and your work and get, and get your book? Um, you can find out uh, find out about me on my website. Um, that's ianbroom.com, and you spell my name in a slightly unusual way. It's i a i n b r o o m e dot com, and um, I have a blog on there. I have the podcast which you mentioned. So lots of stuff for readers and writers, and you'll also find a page which is all about the novel too. Wonderful. Well, it's a for awesome as far as I'm concerned. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. <laughs>